It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Conway in as this ball is edged right the corner. He's got another one. Conway on for Conway. He's got three since the lunch break. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and joining me is New South Wales fast bowler, Harry Conway. Harry, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. I enjoyed commentating on your five wicket <laughs> hall at Dremoyne, so it's good we can talk cricket in the flesh. Uh, the other panellist is Gav Joshi, fresh from his World Cup on Wheels. Gav, welcome back to Australia. Yes, thanks, man. It's been five months. It's been a long time, but good to be back. And cricket season is just around the corner. Oh, it is. It's going to come thick and fast. So I've got Harry Conway's record here. 19 first-class games, 46 wickets at an average of 29.39, two five-wicket hauls. How have you sort of reflected on your career so far? Yeah, obviously <laughs> came out of the gates pretty quickly with five uh, down at Hobart on Dubu. So, um, no, I felt like I was bowling really well to get into the team. And then, um, yeah, we, we only had one other game that season. I, I sort of feel like traditionally I, I want the seasons to go a bit longer once I'm in the team. I se- seem to, once I get a few games together, I've, I've gone really well. But, you know, I've been in, in and out of the team because I've had some mixed performances, no doubt. Um, and I've had well, There's a few good fast bowlers in the squad Yeah, as well. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, that, that's right. That's exactly right. We've got Copeland, Abbott. Um, and then, you know, there's always a crop coming for you as well. And, and Mickey, uh, Liam Hatcher, Greg West, they, these guys are all right on the precipice. But 
Um, you know, Doug Bollinger was there for a long time as well. And and whenever the Australians play, it's obviously pretty hard to argue with them, isn't it? So, um, no, I've been in and out of the team, but, uh, yeah, loved last year. Had a really good year last, last year and um, built on some really good foundations. So if I can go another step forward next year, I think I'll be, I'll be going pretty well. Excellent. Well, you know, I've tracked down one of the few people that saw your under-19 World Cup hat-trick wow. live. Gab was at the ground. Okay, cool. In Townsville, yeah. Oh, yeah wow. I remember it. Um, three... Bolds. Three bolds, yeah. 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 I remember. With Craig McDermott, Dakota? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McDermott, Greg Chappell, and we had Stuart, Stuart Law. Stuart Law, yeah. yeah. And it was a, a fancy team, that, that under-19 team. And Harry, yeah, yeah. I mean, Grinda Sandu, Cameron Bancroft, yep. Travis Head, Curtis Ashton Patterson, Agar, Curtis yep. Patterson... Uh, Joel Paris, Mark Steckity. There you go. So some, and Harry's part of that lineup, (laughs) of course. But um, look, yeah, I do remember it well. I mean, unreal. uh, Could you could you hear Harry commentating (laughs) on his own? I I do recall Greg Chappell standing there going, (laughs) "What's going on? Okay, what's going on here? There's one, there's two, there's three. Um, Uh, But I do remember one thing though, because there was a pre-under-19 World Cup tournament in April. Yep. And I remember talking to Craig McDermott and he says, i just got to work with some of these guys to pitch the ball up. Yeah. And there came sort of your hat trick yeah. where you were just pitching it up and hitting top of off. Yeah, it, it, it came together beautifully. I, I remember missing the first game. I was really disappointed against England. And I think we got over the top of the English and then yep. I got ring, rung in for that game. But you're right, I'd, I'd been lucky because I'd, I'd been one of the four or five scholars that had gone up to Brisbane to work with him yep. in the winter yep. um, leading into the World Cup. So Grinda, Curtis, myself, Trav Head and then uh, Cameron Bancroft. And yeah, yeah Grinda will attest to this as well. He, um, he really wanted us to start sessions bowling a lot fuller than we were traditionally. Um, and even though we were bowling one day cricket where you, you adjust your lengths and stuff like that, he was he was massive on that. And from the ball one being ready to go. And so, yeah. how does he get you to do something like that? Well, it's it's it, well, he basically hounds you at the, at the start <laughs> of the session. He's just hounding you to try and um, make the batters play as much as they as much as possible. So we were bowling to guys in the Aussie A setup like uh, Joe Burns, Tim Payne, Rob Quiney at the time. Yep. Um, so really good players, and uh, basically you know using my attributes. But I think. Yeah, when we were young, you know, we were scared to go for runs or we were we were a bit hesitant to pitch the ball up. So he, he's spot on. As soon as he got us trying to do that, the other thing that he said is, well, it's not going to swing from the length that we were bowling. So yeah. when you've got a new ball in your hand, you need to go as full as you can and then work yourself back from there. Whereas he, he thought we might walk into the nets and go, well, we'll start on a good length and then work our way forward. Yep. Um, which is a little bit conservative. So, no, that's that's literally one of the main things that he taught us in that four-month period. The other thing I remember, Menas, is the zinc across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it well, was about beard, 30 I'd, degrees. Yeah, a beard and the zinc. At 19, you had a beard. <laughs> Mate, it's ridiculous. There's some awful photos out there. Um, which we won't talk about, but yeah, it was, mate, I was bloody hot. No, you're right. It was literally 35. Towns was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so you know, you're, you're playing for the Australian under 19s. Did you sort of have in your mind that you want to play for Australia? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Um, no, probably not at that stage, but it was, oh, man, I was, I was on, on the moon. I was uh, over the moon um, to be in, in that side. I just found out that I'd, I get my first rookie contract here at New South Wales as well. David Thompson called me, I remember, after training um, while we are at the AIS. And, oh, man, I was absolutely wrapped. But, yeah, at the time, you're not thinking too far ahead. I think we honestly just put all of our eggs into trying to win that tournament. And then from there, we just thought, you know, or maybe I thought a bit prematurely, like, we go back to New South Wales and we just walk into the team. That's probably as far as I went, in all honesty. But, no, putting those clothes on and those colours on was, yeah, it was an amazing feeling, even at that age when you're so young. Yeah, right. And 
And and how have you sort of gone watching some of your teammates go on to play for Australia? How, mm. how do you go with that? Yeah, well, I, I struggled first couple of years in the squad. I, first year I came in injured, um, so I was doing a lot of talking and uh, meeting guys and socialising, but I wasn't doing any bowling. So um, I remember, like, a, to this day, Grinder did really well. Grinder went straight into the team, and when he did, he got Player of the Year, which was a fantastic achievement. So it was really tough. not so well since, but... No, no, not he'd probably fallen off a little bit and obviously had to move down to Tasmania, but he came out of the gate so well. You know, it would have been not a shock to him, but it, it would have been a shock to a few that someone so young had, um, had 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 gone so well. And we all know that Curtis got 150 on debut at the SCG yeah. when he was 17. Like that even that's even more ridiculous. So I, I think early on, I knew that Curtis was going to do special things, and he was really good in that World Cup. Um, and he was vice captain too. But yeah, Grinder Grinder probably didn't burst out of the water in the World Cup. He was still one of our better bowlers, definitely. But um, the way that he played when he got an opportunity for New South Wales was incredible. How, how is it when you look at players that you're sort of level with at that mm. age and then they sort of creep ahead? Oh, no, it was difficult. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was really difficult because I thought, oh, you know, if I if I wasn't injured or, you know, if I did this or this, you know, I'd go back and change a few things, no doubt. So, And you don't want to live in regret, but, you know, that you can't really control the fact that you're injured. To be honest with you, I was really pleased because I was like, you know what, if these guys can do it, there's no reason that I can't do it. Um, it's just the scale that they did it on. I was like... I don't know that I can ever get to that level. I'll be honest. I thought Corinda just blew it out of the water. Um, his numbers were great. And then obviously Curtis at 17 doing that, I was like, there's just no way that we're going to be able to match that or beat that. And then you look at Curtis now. I mean, he's so close to the test team, which in itself is an amazing achievement. Some um, would say should be in the should test, should be in the test That's right. Team, yeah. oh, I definitely am. I'm one of those people. But, um, so yeah. now, have you ever looked at sort of moving into state where you'd get more first team opportunities? Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely considered it. Um, my manager and I have had, uh, you know, a few chats surrounding um, whether that's a, a good thing or not. I, I guess because I was a rookie for so long, I was sort of like, I just don't know that I'm going to get an opportunity here. Um, and I, I hadn't improved at the rate that they were improving, as you say. So I was like, I was super frustrated. And, it's hard um, to improve when you're not playing. Right. So you don't actually know how you're going. And as a rookie, a young guy, you know, out of the 19 system, sometimes you come in and you think, I should be playing or I ought to be playing or, you know, Garinda and Curtis did. Why, why am I not, you know, now that I'm fit? Whereas that's just not how it works. And as I say, like Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, when they're playing, I'm, I'm back in the second team and maybe even further in grade cricket. So really had to bide my time. Always, always had a real passion and obviously loved playing for New South Wales and I thought I'm going to stick it out, um, show some loyalty because they, they, they stuck, stuck by me as well, to be honest with you. Um, the, only, the only other avenue I probably really considered a couple of years ago was playing for New Zealand. I've got a passport. My family's, uh, my entire family's New Zealand, apart from my, my brother and I who were born in Darlinghurst. And, yeah. and that avenue is obviously still open, but um, I've signed for the next couple of seasons at New South Wales and um, you know, I really enjoyed last year. But I think if I put another season or two together, then I'd, I'd you know, seeing Will Somerville and what he was able to achieve over there, then um, that, that that's more an avenue rather than playing for one of our rivals, to be honest. So is that why you were cheering for the All Blacks? The <laughs> well, I was trying to. It, it, it didn't help them. My, my word, they were bad. Uh, but you just mentioned about the continuity and more mm. games you want to play. Yep. Sometimes just the way the Shield season is, you've got to play five games and then suddenly come that's back. That's right. I mean, that must not help sometimes because you might get in, say, game mm. number four and you got five and then that's it's right. like, Two months. I Do you have a big it? bash contract anywhere? No, no. So two big bashes ago, I had. I so I was actually the replacement for Stark, and then three ago, I was a replacement for Hazelwood with the Sixes. Really enjoyed that. And then last year, no, I didn't pick up a contract. So I, I, it works in both ways. It's a really good question because, as you say, if the test guys are there, 
for the first couple of rounds into a test match. Then yep. you come in, say, three or four, and then there's only one more game. Then you're sort of like, well, I'm just getting into my stuff. And then it's Christmas for two months. Yep. But it, it, when I say it works both ways, last year, because I didn't have Big Bash, I got to see my family chill out a little bit for a couple of weeks, played lots of grade cricket, really enjoyed that at East. I mean, I know Copes focuses a lot on his bowling when everyone else is doing Big Bash. So he that's hits, right. hits the ground yeah. running. Yeah, So, and that's what I mean. So I've freshened up a little bit, got nice and fit, ha- had a little bit more of a pre-season sort of focus and then really worked hard on my Dukes bowling out yep. at Blacktown and at, uh, other sessions with Jakesy and um, the coaches that were around. And it, it, I ended up kicking lots of goals after Chrissy. So it's it works both ways. Yeah. And I think some guys coming out of BBL, particularly bowlers, they probably take a, a game or a game and a half to readjust yeah. not only their bodies but their control with the Legs. Duke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we see that with Mitchell Stark even. Exactly. Just straight after the World Cup and before the first Test match where sort of I think JL sort of admitted or even he Tim Payne admitted, said it. Yeah. Yeah. His control, yeah. So <laughs> I'm interested in this, this Kiwi <laughs> option. Because, you know, I look at you and I think, like, you could make instant inroads into the Kiwi side. You know, you're hitting your peak, you're, what, 26? Yeah. Um, so you're sort of hitting the peak of your fast bowling career. Yeah. You could play, you know, 50 tests for New Zealand, <laughs> get a few T20 contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You could have a career. You yeah. know, h- how tantalising is that? And yeah. Is there a fear, well, if I wait too long, then it'll be too well, late? No, of course there is. No, 100%. And I've, I've got Andre Adams here as well yep. as the bowling coach, so there's always that link or that connection, I guess. You know, so it is super feasible, and it's obviously three hours away. It's not far. And as you say, it's... I don't want to get chucked out of the building. <laughs> <if you're laughs> yeah, keep our voices down. Um, no, no, you, you're spot on, though, because it is very easy to sit here and go, oh, you know, if it all went to plan, you know, X, Y, and Z would play out and it'd be, you know, it'd be a dumb move not to make. So I think for me it's just about another 12 months of improvement and then, you know, even if I did Reassess. do... What, that's right, yeah. did, did what Summers did and asked for, you know, a release or... As you say, I just think it's it, the timing thing as well. Like just coming out of a World Cup, they've potentially got a couple of older guys who are going to stop or or. I mean, fall. Southie wasn't even in the side. That's yeah. right. And, and Neil Wagner's moved on a bit. Yeah, Neil so. Wagner's yeah, and and so you go. Oh, there's probably an opportunity there. The thing that I like as well is that they're they're seven months and then they they actually play around the world as well. Like they they go and play for county or so that that access right. to international. That, that that level opens up a few doors for you as well, and I do love the place in in all seriousness because oh, it's obviously beautiful and and my entire family's there. So no, you you it's a, it's always it's constantly on my mind. I, you just push it to the back of your mind, obviously, when you're playing for yeah. Because if I was your manager or father or whatever, yeah, yeah. I'd be saying, well, do it sooner rather than later. Right. Because I think when you go. And you play for New Zealand, you'll go. Why didn't I do this a couple of years ago? <laughs> I can see the repeat of this podcast in March when Harry's taken forty wickets for New South Wales. Hey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. With his baggy green on. <laughs> no, no, it's exactly right, and that's that's what I mean. So, Simon's obviously did it when he was 32, 33, but now he, he might. As the more that he plays for the Black Caps, he's probably like, oh, maybe I could have got another couple yeah. of years, or it's you know, it's a really tough conversation to have. I mean, I want you to stay and play for New South Wales as long <laughs> as you can, but. Just from a you know, personal, personal point of view, I can just see that it's a very good option and it's so competitive in Australia. It is, yeah. You know, there's so many good fast bowlers and you're one of them, but it's just, you know, where do you fit in? So, yeah, yeah maybe we'll move across the Dutch. <laughs> um, so, speaking of, that's my terrible accent. <laughs> now, I thought I had this fantastic exclusive for this podcast, Harry Conway, oh, podcast yeah. boo. but Jim Maxwell, no, does he run me. East? Yeah. yeah and yeah. he played East? He's, yeah, yeah, the yeah local cricket, East. But yeah. yeah. That's my local club, so all Is good. It? Yeah, oh, beautiful. I got rejected there once. Um, <laughs> um, but look, 
So you made your, your podcast debut on the BBC Stumped. You did your fantastic David Lloyd yep. impression. Do you have any other impressions? Like any teammates in particular? Mm. No, I, I said to Jim, I, I can't, uh, because I'm a Kiwi, I should be able to do Andre Adams. I can't, I haven't perfected an Andre Adams. What nah. about some of your teammates? There must be a couple. Nah. Is Andre Adams still known as Vin Diesel? Because that's what <laughs> some of the guys used to call him when he used to play, yeah. So, oh. All right, so Harry, give me just give me your bumble, and I'm going to ask you to answer in bumble. Yeah, go on. All right, do you think it's going to be 2 0 to Australia after Lords? 2 0, win the toss, ball first. Look up, don't look down at Lords. Overcast, more than the pitch condition. I go, Archer in, Anderson out. They've made a million mistakes here in Edgebeston. Walls have been broken, Aussies are on top. I'm going to say 2 0. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is so good, honestly. I actually, when I turned on Stumped, yeah. To find your interview, because I saw the tease on Twitter and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll see this. And uh, I actually thought it was Lloyd at first. Oh, did you? So, oh, uh, that's I the just, ultimate compliment. Yeah, so well done. Um, <laughs> look, uh, I want to ask you a bit about some of your, your teammates in the Aussie side, because you'd yep. have seen them up close, especially over this sort of last summer. And, you know, I think this Ashes is going to be fantastic for the Aussies. I think they're going to win, but... There's a lot of New South Wales players over there. So let me start with Mm. the two big guns, Warner and Smith. What is it like when you bowl to them in the nets? Yeah. (laughs) Or even you might have played them in great cricket. I know you got Smith out in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Strangled down the leg side. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, keep (laughs) that to yourself. Um, No, yeah, this isn't going to be, you know, life-changing, but they're obviously really, really difficult to bowl to. Um, Steve in particular obviously bats with a lot of time. Um, and I feel like when I when I bowl to him, he can put the ball wherever he wants. Um, it's probably just a case of whether he gets bored quick enough or not. Davey's a, an exciting one to bowl to. I feel like he'll keep you in the game a little bit more because he plays a few more shots. But um, again, when he's on, he's one of the toughest guys in the world to get out. Um, but I, lo- I do love bowling to both of them. And the Nets feel like you have to go up a gear to try and um, compete with them. And what's Warner like as a leader? Because... I know he has strong leadership skills in a mm. team environment. You know, does he bring stuff out of you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, when he's communicating to everyone in uh, group sessions and stuff like that, it's obviously invaluable because of how much he's played. He's uh, an opinionated guy, but he's a guy that uh, has played and knows the game on the back of his hand. He's played all around the world. So, as I say, everything that we get out of him at training is absolute gold. Um, and he's very funny as well. He's charismatic um, and he works his backside off. So... Guys obviously respect him a great deal, but you're right. They, you know, they don't talk as much as um, others do at New South Wales training. I'm sure they obviously talk a lot at the Aussie Aussie level, but they let other guys, you know, blossom and develop as leaders when they're at our training. But whenever they do, you can just tell that everyone's listening. It's great. Just f- a few years ago, um, Josh Hazelwood said last Ashes test it took him a long time to get used to the Jukes yeah. ball. You sort of touched on it a little bit earlier. I mean, what is different? We know the Jukes ball's prominent seams, but when it comes out of your hand, does it just feel different? What is it? Yeah, it feels a bit smaller in my hand, and he, he's right. And that, that's that's I guess the the beauty of not playing big bash and having a month to yep. to work with only a jukes ball. Um, and that was the great thing about the schedule for us. So um, yeah, it feels a bit bit smaller in your hand, but I feel like I was able to swing the ball from straighter. So. Okay. You could be a bit more greedy. It's just basically controlling that greed and um, getting your lines right. But you definitely bowl a little bit fuller and a little bit straighter and um, get more awards. He looked like he bowled beautifully in that um, yeah, that the, game during the week. Yeah, 
warm-up game. So it was just interesting because he said the biggest challenge I had was I wanted to land it on a dime, basically, and it would just go off a little bit this way, that way, because actually the ball swung before you know it hit the deck. Well, so with someone like Copes as well, because his control is magnificent, he, mm. his argument would be, you know, if I can control yes. where my length of my line, uh, the ball will do the work for me. That's yeah. that's what you hear a lot of guys say in Australia, um, because the the overheads or the pitches are so different to England that you've got to have those skills. So, no, learning off him was invaluable. It was crazy. He's just such a good bowler. And uh, when you're, you know, around Smith and Warner at training mm. and. Over the last year, how, how was that as New South Wales teammates? Yeah, While they were banned. Yeah, it was great. I, I, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't know, but until recently, I've, I've actually got, you know, I outsourced some of my training, and he actually got into touch with Dave, and um, Dave's actually training with the you know, the guy that I train with. So that was actually quite funny. We used to send. Uh, Who's that? Uh, Trent Langlands. So um, he'd send videos and stuff like that through to me of the the stuff that he was working on. He was um, he's always in mint condition. Dave so yeah he, he just kept himself busy like that and as soon as actually they got the bands Steve Smith went to New York and I was actually over there in the off season with a few guys and okay. was lucky enough to spend like a couple of weeks with him and he was right. just the most down-to-earth you know he's obviously affected by what had happened but he was he and they both always have been they've never you know they've never been you, you know what you're going to get from both of them at training and as I say like everything that they gave us was invaluable it was just more than being there as well because they were so good it made us better bowlers or, mm. or have to be at yeah, a different level lift, yeah. that's right so no they were, they were awesome in different ways and I remember a game at Bankstown uh, we won against WA it was one after Christmas um, you know I had a text from Dave Warner hey mate well done on the win you know I only got a couple of weeks and he was like oh you know, let's go out for a beer tonight, let's celebrate. And um, mate, he, he met us out and had a couple of beers with us. And yeah, he's great. He's just that kind of guy. That's good to hear. And uh, knowing what you know of Steve Smith, do you, do you think it would be good for him to captain Australia again? Or should he just concentrate on batting, which is not a knock? You know, I said recently, <laughs> you know, Lara and Tendulkar were yeah. amazing batsmen, but they, yep. they didn't quite do well as captaincy and it was too much for them. Is, mm. is he in that same boat where he could just put... 110% focus into his test career and make you know 20,000 test runs if he wants to. Yeah, uh, and and that's the thing like the the way that he's batting now obviously, you know, the recency bias on the fact that he got 280 runs in that last test, but you know, I heard Shane Warne come out and say it as well. And I, I, I yeah, in my personal opinion it'd be great if he just put 110% into the the batting basket and let someone else captain. I think uh, everyone's spoken so well of uh, how Tim Payne's led the side as well. So, you know, without knowing um, a great deal about it, I would love him to concentrate on his batting. Whether whether he wants to or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, he might feel there's unfinished business. Well, that's right. So if yeah. he feels that way, it's going to be hard to argue with. Um, as soon as his ban uh, comes, comes ban, yeah, yeah. captaincy ban comes up. But as you say, because he's batting the way that he is without it, you just think maybe just release him from all that pressure. And yeah. we want to exclusive here. You've got the ball in your hand. Mm-hmm. How do you get him out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, as I said to Jim, I, and I couldn't lie to Jim because I knew he was at the game. I, I bowled five really nice balls and then I bowled one down leg. But it says court wicket keeper bowled Harry in the scorebook, so that's what I attest to. No, I, I got, him, got him out down the leg side. I, as I say, legs, a couple of leg slips in there. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did actually. Yeah, it was a good plan. Yeah, there you go. We'll run with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's really a way of getting That's um, right. Steve Smith out. I saw. Uh, I think I heard someone saying that the analysis shows that he's vulnerable to really quick bouncy balls just outside off stump. And I'm like, <laughs> well, who isn't vulnerable yeah, yeah, to that? Exactly. I mean, That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to ask you about Hazelwood and Stark. So let's start with Mitchell Stark. 
I sort of see him as a rhythm bowler. Like sometimes he just seems to be all clicking and when he does, it's swing, it's pace, mm. it's fearsome. And then he can just sort of just go a bit below that. As a teammate, do you, do you sort of see that rhythm side of him? Yeah, I, I do. I think, as you say, and the incredible thing for Mitch is that he's either the best bowler in the world or, you know, I, I feel like in the last 12, 18 months he's been – hammered in the press and by some guys that he really doesn't deserve to. I think it's because he's gone to those heights, particularly in white ball cricket. I think he'd be one of the most sought-after bowlers in the world. I think that's hard to argue with. Uh, in, in test cricket, he, he probably is. You know, they obviously had a tough series against India, but one thing I can attest to is that no one likes facing him in the nets and because they don't know whether they're going to hit on the toe, their stumps are going to be everywhere, or yeah, his bounces are terrifying. So he's got magnificent skill set, and because he bowls so quick and he's almost seven foot, He's got all the attributes, um, and as I say, guys hate facing him. But, yeah, you're, you're probably right. He probably is a bit more of a rhythm bowler now with the Dukes, but still could be one of the best in the world on his day. And do you sort of know when he's in rhythm? Yeah, uh, hard to say. I've, I've, not, I've only played the one game with him, but it, to be honest with you, he wasn't really out of rhythm at any point in the Shield game. And I feel like every time he plays for New South Wales, it's... He, he's in rhythm. He, he obviously got that hat trick last year at um, Hurstville. Two which, of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he did too. He got yeah. two of them, which was crazy. <laughs> I was watching it at, at that game and, yeah, he was great. But, yeah, I've never, I've personally never experienced, you know, that, that kind of thing with him. But what, what for, to a layman like us, what is rhythm? I mean, you know, I'm sure you go through a phase where you say, Definitely, yeah. I really feel like I'm in rhythm here and you can bowl nine, ten overs on a trot, while yeah, sometimes yeah. you just go, geez, I'm like, not feeling right yeah, today. Yeah, so what, no, is, what definitely. is it? Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I remember going into the, that, that Dremoyne game um, last year and, and being thrown the new ball, and just early on I got into a really nice rhythm. Um, you know, I felt like the ball was coming out nice in my hand and I was able to bowl, you know, for as long as possible, which yeah. was great, and uh, that, that's sometimes not the case. You know, we've got Copes and Sabah who are, who are bowling uh, dominant overs, and obviously Stephen O'Keefe's record is ridiculous as well, so he demands the ball. But I, I think rhythm for me is just um, the way that you're feeling and uh, the confidence that you have that the ball can land in the same area time and time again. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that's as simple as red ball cricket can be um, that, as a bowler. For a, a sportsman, is that just natural that you're just not going to have rhythm every day? Do you sort of well, almost yeah. need to digest that? Yeah, definitely. I think over the years I've probably learned a little bit more about that. You know, you're not going to, you know, you might not sleep very well or um, you might not feel, you just might not feel uh, yeah. very energetic or, you know, something might be off or, you know, it's a really hot day or, um, whatever, and you come against you're coming up against guys that are just you know better than you on the day. So yeah. it's about problem solving on the go. And uh, someone like Andre has been really good in trying to upskill all of our bowlers in that department. I feel like he's really good on the mental side of um, dealing with that kind of stuff mm. on game day and on the move as well. He's a bit of a bowling whisperer, he is. Andre Adams, yeah. Mate, you know, he is. Hazelwood, Stark. Everybody that works with him says great things about him. Yeah, he has quite a talent. Yeah, no, he, he keeps it really simple as well. He, he doesn't try and overcomplicate things. Um, you know, he he, he uh, gives us good challenges in the nets. And as I say, all, almost all of them are mental. They're not physical. Um, you know, bowling coaches in the past have done a lot with. I think young guys coming through working on you know what it looks like and how it feels rather. Uh, sorry, what it looks like rather than how it feels. So. As long as it feels good and um, Andre, you know, strategically or tactically works on heaps with your field setting, um, where do you want the guy to hit the ball and how are you getting, you know, all the time, how are you going to get this guy out? So those types of little challenges in the nets keep it fresh and it actually motivates you to, you know, stay focused and on task for longer. 
just one of the guys uh, talked about the bowling lineup is Pat Cummins, and Paddy's apparently huge and you know doing a lot of research and where the batsman scores and so forth like All that. Right. Is that? Um, yeah, he seems like a very studious kind of yeah. bowler. That's yeah, no, he's he's obviously really switched on in in a few departments. Um, he's obviously studied and and stuff like that. But so that doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah, I I, I would say that I'm a lot like that as well. I like to know because I don't play in the big bash. I like to know. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I like to read and look at a lot of data so that I'm fully. You know, like an exam, you're fully prepared and you've done all your mm-hmm. research and your homework. I guess so. No, I'm usually pretty vocal in the in the you know strategy sessions so that and the video sessions so that I know that I've ticked every box going to the game. Um, well, a lot of other guys are a lot more relaxed, and that's fine. I think it's yep. whatever works for you. And but yeah. it's important at the highest level to use that research because Definitely. I know at a, a grade level. So you go and you you play someone, and the first 20, 30 balls, you're just trying to work out how they play, and then yeah. you might set your field where their strengths are. If you can go into a game and it's all in your head yeah. where their Brilliant. scoring zones are, then you can really set a field to keep them quiet. Yeah, that's right. And a, a lot of one-day cricket now is, you know, white ball cricket is about that, keeping guys quiet and that, that leading to wickets. So as you just said, if you can go in with, you know, an armoury of all this knowledge, then that, for me that's a massive advantage. So I always use it and I always um, do as much homework as I can, yeah. All right, we're running out of time, so we've got a couple of quick ones. Um, on. Nathan Lyon, mm. he's he's very much a closed book to the media now. He's really um, trained himself to be with <laughs> a vault. What's he like in the sheds? He's very funny. He's got a great sense of humour, and I know that he does the Australian team song, so <clears throat> that's how revered he is up there. Um, I think when he plays for us, he... He does Owen as well. So, no, the guys love him. He's he obviously, you know, his record speaks for himself. We're so lucky that we've got him in Socky. But, no, he's, he's pretty quiet. Do you he's think he was affected by a lot of negative press? I mean, uh, you know, back pages. Potentially. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, yeah, I'd say so. I would have thought it'd be very hard to block a, a lot of that noise out. I think he, he he's done a magnificent job at doing so. Yeah, you know, I've played some club cricket with him when I was at NDs and, the thing I can say about Nathan Confident is he, he's not ever changed as a person, you know, in cricket or to us. He's he, You know what you're going to get. He's very relaxed. So when he comes down and plays, well, not down, but he, he comes and plays first-class group in New South Wales, he's an absolute beacon of, you know, energy, experience. And he's always uh, he's always done really well and taken wickets. So, no, around the guys, he's a little bit more quiet and he keeps to himself a little bit, but he's certainly not a closed book to us. He's... You know, he's a really lively character, great sense of humour, and, and chatty enough. But he, yeah, he just doesn't go, you know, outside his box too often. Do you, do you think one day he could be vice captain of the Aussie Definitely. side? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think he, you know, slowly building his way up to a leadership role if he wants it. Um, you know, I think a couple of years ago he came under the pump a little bit. Again, probably, you know, a bit of a maligned figure, which was I thought it was very harsh. But he's come out the other side you know, a million miles an hour and I feel like he could play another five years if he wanted to. And that's how well he's going. So, no, definitely. I think it was quite funny when the Ashes came out or the squad came out, we changed our vice captains from series to series. <laughs> I think if we just stick to Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon, we'll be, we'll be okay, in my opinion. The two yeah. New South Wales boys. Kiss of death for Josh Hazelwood, my <laughs> vice captain. Gone. That's right. Well, Harry, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, just last one. New South Wales made the Shield final last mm. year. You know, I thought sort of going into the summer, being one of the Shield commentators, that it was a young side, you know, really mm. building up. And then they made you, you made the final. So I guess that's a real positive going into this season that although last year was a rebuilding year, you made the final. This year, you know, the chance is there to go one better. No, absolutely. 
and and we you know we faced our own adversity at times as well. We broke a few milestones along the way. We went up at the Gabba and um, over in Perth, which we hadn't done for years and years. So we were stoked with a couple of big milestones in that regard. And as you say, two guys played eleven games at the age that they did, Jack and Jason. I thought they did a magnificent job. Jason's now got two first class centuries. Um, you know, I don't know any other guy his age who would be able to say that they've they've done that. And and whilst they were afforded those opportunities, as you say, we we got to the final. Felt you know talking to still about that game. You know, we were really confident going to the game that we would we would front up and we just you know we 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 really didn't start the game well and it was it was hard playing catch up from there but um thought we were really deserved finalists and as you say if we can you know those guys are 11 games on now you know i'm looking for some big performances from younger guys again yeah definitely well harry thanks so much for coming on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you thanks for having me um, Cheers, guys. and good luck um preparing for next summer and uh when you play for new zealand oh thanks mate yeah. <laughs> oh, <he's> <laughs> <teaching> <laughs> <up already. laughs> thank you well that was harry conway new south wales fast bowler gav that was an interesting chat with a, a fine young man yeah exactly you know a lot of the guys who don't quite actually speak up but harry seems to be a person who loves to chat and clearly, you know, some of the things that he go and do technical wise off the field and what he's been up to. And he's really honest. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, very insightful stuff from him. Obviously uh, a lot of his teammates play for Australia. So you've got a unique view of them. Well, that's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. Remember, you can keep up with all the Ashes action at dailytelegraph.com.au or go on at News Corp Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. All the, uh, the articles coming out of London for the second Ashes test will be there. Gav, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you back in Australia and I look forward to having you on the podcast again very soon during the Ashes. Thanks, Minnes. Thanks for having me on. And that's it, listeners. Back soon with another show. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.